Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to our study in the book of Romans. Uh, tonight, we're going to turn to a new chapter, chapter 4, and we'll be in verses 1 through 5. And the title of our lesson is Justification by Faith. So let's go ahead and first read our verses, then we'll come back and walk through them. Paul says this, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness." Now, we covered this a couple weeks ago, but let's, let's make sure we've got it covered again. What is justification? Well, in a nutshell, justification is getting right with God. It's being uh, acquitted in his court, if you will. It, it's more than just being forgiven. It's being forgiven. That's a part of it. But it's also being declared righteous. It's God looking at us as if we've never slipped up, never made a mistake, never committed a, a wrong. Now, there's something I want to, to point out about this. Did, I don't know if you noticed this in verse 5, but it said this, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. You see, when we're justified, we don't. it's not that we become righteous, but we are declared righteous by God, even though we're still acting in an ungodly way. You see, justification is a, is, a, is a legal term. It just describes what God declares about our status as believers. But justification itself affects no actual change uh, with our character or our personality or anything like that. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. Of course, when the Holy Spirit comes in and indwells us, He changes us. But justification itself is a legal term that deals only with our status. Let me see if I can give you a couple of examples to help you understand. Uh, 37 years ago, Kathy and I got married, and on that day, we stood before a minister, and at some point uh, in the ceremony, he said, I now pronounce you man and wife. Now, just seconds before, we were not married, and then he makes a pronouncement, and now we are. Now, it was Derek and Kathy before that, and it was Derek and Kathy after that, we hadn't changed as people, but in the eyes of the government, in the eyes of our community, in the eyes of the church and family and friends, our status had now changed. Or maybe another example would, would help. If there's a defendant in a courtroom and the jury foreman stands up and says, uh, not guilty, see, that doesn't change that person. In fact, that, that person may be a bad person. That person may even have committed the crimes that they're on trial for. But as soon as that jury foreman says not guilty, their status is justified. In the eyes of the court, in the, in the eyes of the law, they walk out of that courtroom a free man or a free woman. Justification is exactly like that. It is God's verdict of not guilty, fully righteous. It's the it's a reversal of his attitude toward us. We were uh, his enemies. Now we're his children, his friends. We were under his wrath. Now we're under his blessing. He, we were condemned by God. Now we are vindicated by, by him. Now, 
Here's the question. This should be probably the most important question that faces us as human beings. How do guilty sinners obtain that status? How do we obtain that, that status, that justification before God? What do we have to do to get God to see us as fully uh, righteous? Well, Paul is going to answer that question in today's verses. And in order to do that, he's going to use Abraham as an example. Let's look, look once again at verse 1. Paul says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, has found. In other words, he's saying, what was Abraham's experience? How was he justified? Now, we may want to ask here, why does he pick Abraham? Could have picked David. He could have picked Moses. He could have picked Noah. He could have picked Job. He could have, he could have picked several other characters. Why does he pick Abraham? Well, I, re I think the reason he does it is because Abraham is famous for his works of obedience. For example, everybody knows the story of Abraham and Isaac. God tells Abraham, take your only son Isaac, take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Um, and, and Abraham does it. He literally goes up, takes the knife, and just as he's about to plunge it down, of course, God says, stop, and there's a ram caught in the thicket, and they're able to sacrifice that ram. The man is famous for his obedience, and everybody knows that story. Even atheists know this story and because they try to use it against God. But, so let's watch at this great man of obedience. Let's watch what Paul says about him in verses 2 through 3. For if Abraham was justified by works, if he were justified by his obedience, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, Paul is quoting Genesis 15, 6, and this is important. In fact, let's go read Genesis 15, where this happens. He brings Abraham outside of his tent one night, and he says to Abraham, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. By the way, this is, this is years before Isaac is even born. So this has nothing to do with his obedience. He's counted, a, he's counted righteous long before any of that stuff happens, only because he believed God's promise. Now I want you to notice something else. Notice that Paul bases his argument on Scripture. Now that's going to be a little bit important a little bit later in our lesson. But for now, notice what Scripture says. It does not say Abraham worked for God and he was counted as righteousness. It does not say Abraham obeyed God, and he was counted as righteous. It doesn't say Abraham progressed in his character formation and became a really good person and was justified. No, it just says Abraham believed God, and he, that faith was credited to him as righteousness. Now, I want you to listen to me. I know a lot of you out there, and because I've heard we've had this conversation, You've got friends, you've got family that uh, uh, are involved in other religions or they're involved in working and trying to earn their way into heaven. If you want to know how to be made right with God, if you want to be able to tell them how to be made right with God, there are not two more important verses in the Bible than these next two. So I want you to listen very carefully to verses 4 and 5. It says, Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, 
but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You see, this right here is the foundation of the gospel. I want to read you a couple of quotes by Martin Luther. He says, This doctrine, and he's talking about justification by faith, is the head and the cornerstone. It alone begets, nourishes, builds, preserves, and defends the church of God. Without it, the church of God cannot exist for one hour. Whoever departs from the truth of justification does not know God and is an idolater. For when this truth has been taken away, nothing remains but error, hypocrisy, godlessness, and idolatry, although it may seem to be the height of truth, worship of God, holiness, etc. Let me tell you, Martin Luther is dead on. You can get everything else right. You can believe in God. You can, you can believe that you're a sinner. You can believe that there's a coming judgment. You can believe all those things. But if you get this one thing wrong, you lose the gospel. Jesus said in John 3.18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. See, this is why Satan will always try to pervert and distort this doctrine of justification by faith alone. Now, I want to try to show you in this lesson what I mean. I'm going to actually walk through a few um, of the various religions that are out there. And we're going to look at how each one of them teaches that a man or woman can get to uh, heaven. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive study. And so if you want to go and, and Google these and, and do a little more research on your own, I, I would uh, surely encourage you to do that. But I just want to walk through very quickly and, and from their own writings and their own teachings, I want to look at how each one of these religions kind of points you uh, toward heaven. So let's begin with Islam. How does a Muslim, according to them, get to heaven? Well, in the Quran, uh, Surah 5-9 says this, To those who believe and do deeds of righteousness hath Allah promised forgiveness and a great reward. So right there it tells us that a Muslim is going to be saved or go to heaven by having faith and by doing righteous deeds. So according to Muslim scholars, Islam is based on five principles. It's known as the five pillars of Islam. The first one is this, to believe that none has the right to be worshipped, but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet or is his uh, apostle. So what are the other four? You have to offer prayers dutifully and perfectly. You have to pay zakat, which is an obligatory charity. You have to perform hajj, which is a, a pilgrimage to Mecca, at least once in your lifetime. And you have to observe the fast every year during the month of, of Ramadan. So one is to believe. The other four, you have to uh, perform do, uh, deeds or, or works or religious duties, if you will. How about Jews? How does the, 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 uh, the modern Jew get to heaven? Well, you've got to understand something about Judaism. This, by the way, this is by far the most difficult one to answer because the Jewishness or the Judaism of the Old Testament ended in 70 AD. If you go to the Old Testament and you see Judaism defined by the temple, by the priest, by the sacrifices, that's all gone. That ended in 70 AD with the destruction of the, of the temple. So over the last 2,000 years, uh, Judaism has kind of evolved uh, into a lot of different things. And so it's very difficult to even find Jews 
who will agree with one another on how to get to uh, heaven. But I found this, which was written on a, a, a Jewish frequently asked question website. It said this, Some people look at these teachings and deduce that Jews try to earn our way into heaven by performing the mitzvot, which is religious duties. This is a gross mischaracterization of our religion. Nevertheless, we definitely believe that your place in the Alam Haba, which is the world to come, is determined by a merit system based on your actions, not by who you are or what religion you profess. In addition, we definitely believe that humanity is capable of being considered righteous in God's eyes. Let's turn the page and look at Mormonism. How does a Mormon, according to them, get to heaven? In the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi twenty five twenty three, it says this, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we're saved after all that we can do. Now, what does that mean, after all that we can do? Well, let's look at the Latter-day Saints Bible Dictionary, page 697. It says this, Divine grace is needed by every soul in consequence of the fall of Adam and also because of man's weaknesses and shortcomings. However, grace is not sufficient without total effort on the part of the recipient. Hence the explanation, it is by grace that we're saved after all that we can do. James Faust, who is an LDS apostle, says this, Many people think they need only confess that Jesus is the Christ, and then they are saved by grace alone. We cannot be saved by grace alone, for we know that it is by grace that we're saved after all that we can do. How about a Jehovah's Witness? What, according to them, is the way to heaven? Well, if you read the Watchtower Society, which is their um, uh, publication arm of Jehovah's Witnesses, they would point you to Acts 16.31, which says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. But to them, what does it mean to believe? Well, let's listen to their writings. Belief involves taking in accurate knowledge of God's purposes and his way of salvation. Then faith has to be exercised in Jesus Christ as the chief agent of salvation. This places the Christian in a saved condition, but he must now persevere in doing God's will and continue to adhere to all of God's requirements for the rest of his life. Only then will he be saved to eternal life. That's the Watchtower magazine. Now, what are these requirements that you have to adhere to? Well, the Watchtower Society gives four requirements that must be fulfilled by each Jehovah's Witnesses. Number one, and you saw this mentioned earlier, they must have accurate knowledge of God's way of salvation. According to them, this means following the leadership of the Watchtower Society, which is mandatory for, and here's the word, earning salvation. Number two, you have to avoid debauchery. Well, we could agree with that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 uh, tells us very clearly that, that sexually immoral, idolaters, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But the Watchtower Society finds that list incomplete, so they have to add a few more. Smoking, blood transfusions, uh, participating in a raffle, voting, military service, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, things like that. The third thing is Watchtower membership. 
it says this, a third requirement is that we be associated with God's channel, his organization. In fact, it is essential that people become Jehovah's Witnesses in order to be saved. And then the fourth requirement, of course, is, is uh, proselyting. And of course, we, one thing we know about Jehovah's Witnesses is they show up at our door. It says God requires that pers- prospective subjects of his kingdom support his government by loyally advocating his kingdom rule to others. Let's turn to Catholicism. How does a Catholic, according to them, get to heaven? Well, to understand this, you have to first understand the official Roman Catholic Church doctrine of salvation. You see, uh, Roman Catholic Church believes that grace is infused into a baby when that baby is baptized. And at that point, that child is justified before God. In fact, they, they state this in the Roman Cate- I'm sorry, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Justification has been merited for us by the passion of Christ. It is granted us through baptism and conforms us to the righteousness of God who justifies us. Now, after that point, after you're saved as a baby, according to them, you have to cooperate in order to maintain that salvation. And you have to do that through good works. In other words, if you don't add works to faith, then justification stops and then you will not be uh, saved. The Council of Trent said this, If anyone says that the righteousness received, and he's talking about at baptism, is not preserved and also not increased before God by good works, let him be anathema. Anathema means to be excommunicated or to be damned. Council of Trent said this, If anyone says that by faith alone the impious is justified, and they mean that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to the obtaining the grace of justification, let that person be damned. You see, official Roman Catholic doctrine would never say that we're saved by grace and works. Yet what they say is you're saved by grace, but again, you've got to, you've got to maintain it through works. You've got to do something to keep that justification. And, and I don't really care, to be honest, whether you call those works acts of faith or acts of obedience. It's really immaterial. The label doesn't change the subject. We're either saved by grace or we're saved by grace plus something else. And the Bible clearly teaches us that we are saved by grace alone. Now, did you notice what all of these have in common? Well, I want to point out two things. The first one is fairly obvious. They all add something to faith. It's after all we can do. You got to be a member of this organization. You got to perform good works. You got to do this. You got to do that. They all add works to faith. But here's the second thing, and I want you to see this. They all have to go beyond the Bible to find those requirements. The Muslims have the Quran. The Judaism has the Talmud, which is the the, the writings of the rabbis. Mormonism has the Book of Mormon. Jehovah's Witnesses have the Watchtower Society. Catholics have their, their canons and their catechisms and their tradition. But they all have to go outside the Bible. Why? Because when you turn to the Bible alone, it says very clearly, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Make sure you see that. It's not enough to believe. You need to believe apart from works. You can't say, well, I believe, but I'm, you know, 80% is God and 20% is me. Or 99% is God. And No, 
God says, nobody takes my glory from me. It is a free gift that we accept through faith. Let's look at one more. How about Protestants? How do Protestants get to heaven according to, to, to us? Well, let's put it another way. Do most Protestant churches have it right when it comes to justification by faith alone? Well, I believe they do. Now, obviously, there's many flavors of, of Protestantism. You've got uh, Episcopalians, you got Lutherans, you got Baptists, you got Anglicans, you got non-denominational. There's all kind of different flavors, but for the most part, they've got it right when it comes to justification by faith alone. But see, here's that's not really the point. Now, let me say this: Is it important that we preach and teach the gospel correctly? Absolutely. Is it important that we preach and teach God, uh, justification by grace alone so that God gets all the glory? Absolutely. It is important to get it right. But what's more important that, that what's, mo what's most important is not that Mormons get it right or Catholics get it right or even Protestants have it right. What's more important than anything is do you have it right? You see, the fact is you can attend a church where your doctrine is spot on. You can attend a church where they, they just teach everything absolutely correctly and you still not follow it in your heart. You see, if we're not careful, our flesh constantly tries to revert back to earning our salvation. I, I, don't, I don't know why that is, but there's just something inside of us that just wants to earn, 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 deserve it, deserve it, merit it. But we can't. It's by grace and by grace alone through that channel of faith. It's through the grace of God. So I want to leave you with a warning that Paul gave to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 3. He said this, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I want to know one thing from you, Paul says. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? I love that. You know, we, we can all accept that we're saved by grace. But not only are we saved initially by grace, we are kept by grace all throughout our life. We'll make it to our inheritance in heaven through one way and one late way only. And that's through God guarding us through his grace. So let's not start one way and try to finish another. Let's trust every day, every hour, every minute of our life in the gift of God, salvation in His Son, through His grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank You as we always do for this great Word. God, help us as Christians to understand this great doctrine, not just in our head, but God, help us to understand it in our heart, to get up every day and remember, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to earn it because it's a gift, because that changes everything. That, Jesus said... When the truth shall set you free, you'll be free indeed. Help us to walk in the freedom of your salvation. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.